Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. After miraculously delivering his people from Egypt and effecting their marvelous escape from Pharaoh's army, God brings his people to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. Here, the sky is clear and his people are away from the influence and atmosphere of the worldly Egypt. It is here that God can unveil both his plan for his people and their ultimate goal and destination. Perhaps we're satisfied just to be delivered and freed from the tyranny that plagues us. But God is not yet satisfied. He wants to both reveal to us that we have an ultimate destination, the good land, and to bring us into that abundant, rich, and wonderful land. Bob Danker has joined us today as we carry on this life study of Exodus. Bob, I must say I'm really looking forward to this one. I am too, Chris. It's good to be with you again. Bob, we're in chapter 23 now, and as we've seen this section of uh, chapters 20 through 23 reveals the law and the ordinances to the people. And we saw that the law and ordinances actually present a picture or a portrait of God himself to the people, uh, rather than, I think, what we normally associate with the law uh, being a series of do's and don'ts that we should try to struggle to, to, to reach. Uh, we've gotten a much more uplifted view, I would say. But particularly, I'd like to touch these verses in chapter 23 that uh, will be a focus very much of our message today in our program. Starting at verse 20, let me read just a couple if I could. I am now sending an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be careful before him and listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you will indeed listen to his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Bob, even if we just try to track the pronouns in these verses, it opens up a whole vista, doesn't it? It really does, Chris. This is a marvelous portion of the wonderful Word of God. All right, we have a lot to cover today, Bob, and every section is just packed, so let's, uh, let's join Witness Lee for the first portion. In the ordinances of the law, we could see the entire economy of God, then, after the decree of the ordinances, it says, Behold, I sent an angel before you. It's very interesting. After the decree of the law and its ordinances, what is the concluding word? The concluding word is that, behold, I sent an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the land I promised to your fathers. Right after the decree, 
The concluding word is the sending of an angel to bring the people into the promised land.、Amen. The angel of Jehovah, no doubt, is a type of Christ, who was sent by God to keep us in the way and to bring us into the promised land. Christ is such a sent one、Amen. from God. And then, how about the good land? The good land is also Christ, and Christ as the sent one to bring us into Himself as the good land. Amen. And the good land is the goal of God's purpose. The good land is the goal, the aim, the mark of God's purpose. And Christ is this goal, and this is the good land. Who will bring us into this goal? Christ. Christ, on one hand, is the good land, and on the other hand, is the one that brings us into the good land. God said to them, "I give you all the law and all the ordinances, but." You have to realize that is not my aim. That is not my goal. Behold, I will send an angel. This is my goal. My goal to bring you here to Mount Sinai, out of Egypt, is not to give you a lot of regulations, telling you what to do, what not to do. No, no, no. My intention to bring you here to discipline you. To train you, to regulate you, that you may be proper people for me to bring into the good land. Bob, I love this passage that we read a moment ago in verse twenty. I'm now sending an angel before you to keep you in the way, and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. This was a magnificent revelation that God gave to Moses, of course, in the mountain to be delivered to the people, all the laws and the ordinances. But these are not the goal, are they? No, Chris. God's goal is not just to have a group of people who have been redeemed, as the children of Israel were redeemed and saved out of the tyranny of the world, as the children of Israel were saved and brought to the mountain, where they could receive God's commandments and ordinances. So that they could know how they should live on the earth as God's people. This is not God's goal. God's goal for His people is to bring them into the full enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. Just as we see here in the Old Testament with Israel, God's goal was to bring them into the good land, and that good land is a picture in the Old Testament. Of what Christ is to us as the New Testament believers, this was a land flowing with milk and honey. Right, right. If you read the description of this land in Deuteronomy chapter seven, you see how wonderful the land was. This was the land promised by God to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and this was now God coming in to fulfill this promise. He needed to have the children of Israel. Not in the wilderness, but in the land where they could fulfill His purpose. So God wants to bring us into the full enjoyment of Christ. Of course, we have Christ already. 
We have Christ. Every believer has Christ. But we are not yet fully in the enjoyment of Christ. We have to journey to enter in Mm. more and more into Christ so that Christ becomes our everything in every aspect of our living. If we check ourselves, we have to admit, I'm not that much in Christ. My living is not that much in Christ. So God wants to bring us fully into Christ. And the uh, thing that impresses me here is that God sends someone to do that. (laughs) And that sent one is the angel of Jehovah here in Exodus 23. And the angel of Jehovah is just Jehovah himself. In other words, God sends himself to bring us into himself. (laughs) So this is a marvelous picture. God sent his son to become a man, to live on the earth among men. And then this man died and resurrected and became the life-giving spirit. And this life-giving spirit also was sent, not to be with us, but to be in us. Mm. Now we have the spirit as the sent one, the one sent by the Father and the Son who is indwelling us. He's with us all the way, and he's speaking to us. We need to listen to him. We need to obey him. We need to be one with him so that we can enter fully into Christ and enjoy him in a full way. Bob, we're going to develop a a couple of the things that you even opened up here in a fuller way in this next section. But I, too, was touched with this matter that we, just like the children of Israel, have no possibility of entering into this good land without the sent one to keep us. I like this wording in the way and to bring us in while we're on the way. We need to be kept in the way and then to be brought all the way in. Let's go back to Witness Lee for section two. We're going to see three things here initially. Again, more on this angel of Jehovah, then more on the good land, the promised land, and then the way to possess the promised land. Now, let us see these three, the angel of Jehovah, then the promised land, then the way to possess the land. The angel of Jehovah, sent by Jehovah. Reading the word sent, you may realize, sure you have a sender and you have a sent one. But if you check with Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, you could see the sender is the sent one. Actually, Jehovah himself. He is Jehovah because the name of Jehovah is in him. God himself send himself to accompany his people, to guard his people, and to bring his people into the good land. Now, we go on to the promised land. It's territory. Verse 31. See what? I will set thy bonds from the Red Sea, even into the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness, this gives you the boundary. From sea to sea, what the seas signify? Dead water. In other words, dead. From sea to sea means what? From dead to dead. The boundary of the promised land is just dead. And then from wilderness to the river. The river is also a significance of the dead water. 
And the hardest wordness, wordness here signifies barrenness. No produce. It is altogether unfruitful. It's barren. If you look at the picture, you could see the promised land is surrounded by dead and barrenness. But within the territory, full of life and the abundance of fruit within these boundary. Hallelujah. As a land elevated, fruitful, full of life, and full of produce. Are you satisfied with the Passover now? On the one hand, yes. On the other hand, it opens up the appetite. Are you satisfied with manna? Yes, on the one hand. On the other hand, eating opens up the appetite. While looking for something greater, something richer, right? Something more inclusive. That is the all-inclusive Christ. We will enter into him as all-inclusive land. But now, the frustrators are here. What are the frustrators? The different aspects of our natural life. All the heathens are human descendants. Spontaneously, all the human descendants are pictures of the different aspects of natural life. At least seven tribes. One tribe signifies the lust of the natural man. One tribe signifies the cavity, the greediness of the natural life. In principle, all the hidden tribes signify what? Signify the different aspects of our natural life. All the seven tribes, maybe more, all are in you. These natural aspects of your natural life are the frustrators. Frustrating you, hindering you from entering into the all-inclusive Christ. Well, Bob, in a sense, we ended on a somewhat discouraging note. All these seven tribes are in us. All the frustrators are in us. But I know we'll come to that before we're through today. Let's go back to the angel of Jehovah, if we could. He made that reference again, and and you talked about it a bit in um, our first time together. Of course, we saw this in Exodus 3, when Moses encountered the flaming, burning thorn bush, which initially is identified as the angel of Jehovah within the thorn bush. But before very long, we realize, actually, this is Jehovah God himself. We're really talking about the experience of the triune God, aren't we, in all these passages? That's right. This is very experiential. God sends himself to be with us. The Lord knows that we cannot enter into the all-inclusive Christ on our own. We need a guide. We need someone to guide us, to be with us on the way, and to lead us into Christ Recall in John 16, where the Lord referred to the spirit of reality. He said, this spirit of reality will guide you into all the reality, Hmm. because he will not speak from himself, but what he hears, that is what he will speak. So we have 
this wonderful spirit within us. He's always with us as we are journeying on our Christian way, so to speak, toward the destination. Our destination is to enter into the full enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. And we have a guide within us. This guide is the spirit. All right, Bob, let's uh, take a moment and touch on this uh, next point that he brought out here, and that is the matter of the boundaries. Let me read another verse that was referred to in uh, Exodus 23. Verse 31 says, And I will set your border from the Red Sea even to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river. So the boundary of the land had the Mediterranean, it had the, what, the Euphrates, and it had the wilderness. All these three represent something in quite stark contrast to the good land itself, don't they? They sure do, Chris. In the Bible, the sea especially signifies the water of death, the world, a place full of death. And the river here, the river Euphrates, also signifies death. And the wilderness, of course, as we realize, is a place of just desolation (laughs) and barrenness. It's dry. There's nothing there. But inside of these boundaries, what do we have? We have a good land flowing with milk and honey with all kinds of life growing there and produce for our sustenance and so forth. This is a picture of Christ who is full of divine riches for us to enjoy. Our Christ is our good land. Well, outside of the good land, according to this picture, there is nothing but death and barrenness. That means that outside of Christ, yeah, there is nothing but death and barrenness. So we need to walk in Christ. We need to live our whole Christian life in Christ. In him, we have life. In him, we have all the rich produce of life. But outside of him, what do we find? Nothing Mm. but death and barrenness, desolation everywhere outside of Christ. There's another adjective that's used here to describe this land. It's elevated. And in Christ, we certainly experience that, don't we? We are elevated above so many things that are now suddenly beneath and below us, where before they seemed to be higher than we were. Exactly, Chris. All right. He mentioned one other item in this portion. We're going to develop that in the third section, and that's the matter of these seven frustrating tribes, the frustrators. Let's find out about those in this last portion. Let me check with you. Do you like to lose your temper? Sure, you don't like but you do have an evil temper within your natural life. Behind the temper, demons are there. A kind of special force there. When you lose your temper, many times it was not up to you. We Christians many times did have the experience. We didn't like to lose our temper, but we just couldn't get us away from it. There was a kind of force. What was that? That was the spiritual force in them. All our natural aspects of our natural life are utilized, directed, maneuvered by the spiritual forces behind the scene. Who are the frustrators that frustrate us from entering into the enjoyment of the riches of the all-inclusive Christ. Who? Our natural life. And the spiritual forces behind the scene. The promise was that God will come in to cut off all the 
hidden tribes. But God said he would not cut them out within one year. Why? Because you, Israel, are still so small in number. If I cut them off, the Goland will be empty of inhabitants. Then the wild beast will come up. What does this mean? This means, dear saints, after we got saved, for a certain period of time, in a good sense, we still need our natural life. When the number of Israel was still remaining so small, there was still the need of the heathen tribes to keep the land from the beasts. Then, as they were growing in number, then the Lord would cut off the hidden tribes according to the degree of their numerical increase. And this signifies that as you are growing in Christ, the natural aspect of your natural life will be gradually cut off according to the degree of your growth in life. God would cut off all the hidden tabs, but not once for all, yet gradually, little by little, and the degree will be according to your growth. Bob, I, I'm glad we saved adequate time. This is a crucial matter. Uh, of course, this is an interpretation uh, regarding these seven tribes, these peoples that eventually would be jettisoned from the land, but initially were the occupiers. And in spiritual uh, understanding, these represent the frustrators, the frustrations. And as Witness Lee has interpreted it, these are the aspects of our natural life, our natural disposition that become a frustration. And I like the example he used here. I could relate to it, sadly. I have had in my past and continue to possess an explosive temper at times. And it's like, you know it's coming, and it's the last thing you want to have happen. But something just almost takes hold of you. And the outburst of temper is so ugly and so vile that uh, it really represents something that everyone, both believer and unbeliever, has to struggle with all the time, doesn't it? We have to remember that our natural life is a fallen life. Yeah. It's a sinful life. It's actually a life that is manipulated and controlled by the evil one, Satan, and the evil spirits. I'd like to point out Ephesians chapter 2, which opens up by saying that once we were dead in our offenses and sins, and we walked in these offenses and sins according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, of the spirit which is now operating in the sons of disobedience. This is a picture of our life before we were saved. So it's not too much to say that all the pagan tribes that lived in the land of Canaan before Israel entered the land 
they represent different aspects of our fallen natural life. Our experience tells us and confirms that the more we pursue Christ and the more we desire to enjoy him and be one with him, we encounter things within ourselves that frustrate us. You mentioned the matter of of temper. There's countless items, depending on the kind of person you are. There are many aspects of our natural life that frustrate us from entering into the full enjoyment of Christ. And Bob, not all of them are so visibly vile, such as our temper or things like that, lust, greed, etc., etc. Of course, we've got the classic case in Matthew where Peter gets the revelation of who the Christ is and is commended by the Lord and then immediately turns around and has an expression of something out of himself telling the Lord, no, 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 far be it from you. You, you can't go to the cross and be crucified. And the Lord's response to him, get behind me, Satan. Another example, isn't it? A, a wonderful example. All right, but we can't miss the final point here. We're all, uh, I think, clear we're inhabited by these seven tribes, but there is a way to get free, and that is the real ultimate destiny for our journey into the good land. But it's interesting how the Lord chooses to do that. Verses 29 and 30, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the animals of the field multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you, until you have become fruitful and inherit the land. Bob, help us with uh, how this really applies in our experience. Yes, I'm so impressed here, Chris, that God is willing to deal with, to drive out all the negative things within us that frustrate us from enjoying Christ. But he can't do it in a short amount of time, because it would leave us inwardly vacant and therefore subject to being under the operating of the evil powers. So God says he will drive them out gradually. In the Old Testament picture here, according to the numerical increase of the children of Israel so that they could possess the land. But in our case, it's not a matter of numerical increase. It's a matter of Christ growing in us. The greatest need we have is to eat the Lord, drink the Lord, do our best to walk in the Lord, so that he will grow in us. The more Christ grows in us, the more we are willing to cooperate with God to drive out, so to speak, all the negative things that we encounter on our Christian journey. God said he will drive them out, but just as the picture shows, the children of Israel had to fight these tribes. They had to go to battle against these tribes. And yet their fighting was in coordination with God's fighting. They didn't fight by themselves or in themselves. They fought with the Lord. This must be our experience in possessing Christ and enjoying Christ. The only way we can have this experience is to have Christ grow in us gradually day by day. Bob, wonderful fellowship, and I think this last point is intensely practical. Perhaps we in our own early days walking with the Lord or others we've been with are too zealous to try to too quickly exercise the land of all of these evils. And if it's not with God and in coordination with God in his timing, then we have the potential to take on a kind of a artificial and not very pleasant quote, quote, spirituality. That's right, Chris. Well, Bob, our time is up. The clock is demanding that we make our goodbyes. And thanks so much for being with us, Bob. And I look forward to our next time together. I do also, Chris.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.